Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson and I'm the editor of the BJGP. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Gail Hayward, who is a GP and Associate Professor of Primary Care at the Nuffield Department of Primary Care Health Sciences, University of Oxford. And the paper is Urine Collection Devices to Reduce Contamination in Urine Samples for Diagnosis of Uncomplicated UTI, a Single-Blind Randomised Control Trial in primary care. So this is the first trial to evaluate the effectiveness of urinary collection devices in this population of women who've got symptoms of UTI who present to primary care. And I started by asking Gail to tell us a little bit more about the background evidence and why this study was needed. The reason that I was interested to try and answer this question in the first place is that as a GP, you often receive a result that tells you that the urine sample that you sent off for culture was contaminated and that um, in that case, you can't be sure whether there was an infection there or whether there wasn't. And so it's useless for you. It's useless for the patient. And really, you have to repeat it and hope that the second time you don't get the same result again, although often you do. Um, and looking at this on the local scale of Oxford laboratories and indeed in our trial, up to a third of samples that are sent to the laboratory come back as contaminated. So it's not a small problem. It's a huge problem. And in terms of tests that we do, as GPs, I can't think of another test where I send it off and I know that in a third of cases, I'm going to get a useless result back. It just doesn't happen with anything else. So I was interested in any approaches that are out there to try and improve this. And one approach that is out there is using devices which try to capture the middle part of the urine stream rather than um, taking the whole of the urine stream. And in that way, try to avoid contamination. The theory that you wash off some of the contaminants before you capture the, the bit that you're going to send to the lab. Um, so in the study, I wanted to compare devices that um, were designed to do this with a sort of standard best practice, which is advising women to try and capture the middle part of their stream, which isn't easy to explain and isn't always easy for women to do, hence the, the hope that devices would improve the situation. Well, we could talk a little bit about that in terms of what you, you actually advise people to say, because as you say, sometimes explaining that's not always straightforward, but... All very important. And as you say, you have to wait days as well to find out normally that that sample is then contaminated and no good. And in the meantime, women have got symptoms, they've got a possible infection, and we're all sort of grappling with what to do with their antibiotics as well. So a really important area and uh, definitely one that needs some research. So tell us a little bit about how you conducted this study. So in this study, we decided to focus on um, the area where we thought the most clinically useful samples are taken in our, in our perspective and that would be women who've got an acute UTI urine infection and come to primary care and want an answer as to whether that's a genuine infection or not. So any woman who had a suspected UTI symptoms of UTI was eligible to be part of the study. We randomised consented eligible participants into one of three arms. They used one of two different urine collection devices or they were given instructions to which were standardised across all sites to pass the first part of their urine into the toilet and collect the next portion in this sample pot. And we took ages to develop those instructions and put that together with a PPI group to try and make it as clear as possible. Yeah, I was going to ask how you came to that, because that's probably as close as you can get to the, the, the a near-perfect distillation of the advice about how to, correct, uh, how to collect um, a mid-sample, um, a mid-stream sample of urine. Um, so um, you've got it out just to down, well, I'm not sure what it is, down to about 20 words or something. So that's quite an achievement. I, and I, I could imagine it wasn't the quickest process to get there. I was quite a junior researcher when I started this project and it was really helpful illustration of how useful patient involvement is so yeah. to find these kinds of things well at the start. 
Okay, so we've got three arms um, in this study. Well, one with the standardized verbal instructions and a couple with these and um, the urine collection devices. Um, tell us tell us how many people you had and tell us what you found. So, um, in, in total, we recruited approximately 1,200 women, just a, a little bit less. So roughly 400 in each arm um, once we'd had some excluded uh, ineligibility. Um, and what we found was that there was no difference in the proportion of contaminated samples results received from culture in those three arms. So the two devices didn't reduce the proportion of significantly reduce the proportion of contaminated samples received. Um, also, we found that there were device failures, more so with one of the devices where up to 25% of women using it weren't able to successfully capture a urine sample. Yeah, so a fair number of people were participating. And um, you obviously had done a power calculation before you started this. And that was, and you said you thought a clinically meaningful difference would be if it could reduce contamination by about sort of 10%. So you hit your targets for that. I mean, it was, it was a challenge to recruit this study. Yeah because we're asking GPs to do it in the middle of their usual clinic right there and then, because that's the, the answer to the question you need. It's not, you, you, can't, you can't sample for an acute UCI the next day. And so we're fortunate to have a lot of sites who supported us to do this. Yes, because I noticed the number of acknowledgements. There are a lot of practices that have really <laughs> chipped in here. And as you say, difficult, and that's one of the challenges of doing particularly randomised controlled trials in primary care is there's so little time to look after patients anyway. And so asking asking GPs and members of staff to do extra work within it is always a really tough ask. Yeah, and I, I know that this, I, I recruited for this myself in my own practice, so I know it was manageable, but we also learned a lot about how to do so-called hot studies to recruit within a surgery from doing this for the future. So um, so what do you think the implications, what are the main implications here, Gail, for um, for practice and how GPs should go about thinking about how they sample for urinary tract infections? For this population, women with an acute UTI coming to the GP, our research suggests that these devices are not going to improve care. And in parallel to the study, um, which has been published, we also conducted qualitative work, which talking to women about sample collection generally and their experience of using the devices and there was very there were sort of mixed opinions about the devices, but a clear sort of unmet need for something to help. There was a lot of complaints about the current system of trying to manage it with the pot and understand the instructions. So it's disappointing that we didn't find a benefit. And I think we've kind of demonstrated through our qualitative work that it would be great if there was some technology that could help here. Um, one, one thing that a lot of our qualitative participants raised was the concern about the wastage. Um, interestingly, the, the the Blue Planet series, all about plastic waste in the oceans, came out around the same time that we were doing some of these interviews, and there was a kind of uptick in the discussions of, well, where is all this going, all this um, this waste, and could it be could it be a device that's sterilizable that you could put in the microwave at home and sterilize and use again and again? Um, so, I, I'm sort of optimistic that there may still be something that could help in sample collection for UTI, which I think is a wider problem than just catching the midstream. Catching it at all seems to be problematic. Yeah, and um, any, but obviously in these circumstances, there's always more research that can be done in terms of certain areas. Well, any particular groups that you think that perhaps weren't included in your study who may still benefit from using a urine collection device? You mentioned trying to catch it there. So perhaps people who have more difficulty with that kind of the mechanics of catching urine. Again, in these interviews, there were suggestions that people who have difficulty with mobility and squatting over a toilet. Um, I know that one of the devices has previously been assessed in pregnant women, and that could be an area where um, there might be more benefit. Although, obviously, that's the tricky thing there is that this is a screening test rather than a diagnostic test. So, though, certainly it doesn't 
doesn't rule out the possibility that there could be benefits in other populations. But bearing in mind the failure rates, that would need you need to be comfortable that it's going to be easy to use enough for these populations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so there's a wider implication here that I think um, is worth thinking about that we don't perhaps, as you've highlighted in this research, that in fact this kind of this part of the before the diagnosis when we do the sampling area of clinical practice it's it's under researched isn't it and it's it's not it's probably not getting enough attention and something as that we take for granted as simple as getting a urine sample there are a lot of complexities here and the, as your studies demonstrated a lot we we didn't know i think there's a, there's an interaction between behavior and technology and I, I find that interesting as someone who does diagnostics and sort of technology research um and i, I think that this is not just in urine samples, but we've learned from all the COVID research that the type of swab you use is important for a nasopharyngeal swab. Um, the type of sample bottles you use to store sputum can affect, you know, so there, there, there could be a lot of, it's not terribly sexy, this research, but <laughs> if, if you could improve how you get the sample to the machine um, that is going to perform the analysis, you might gain a lot of quality in that process, possibly. Or the other, the other, um, the other way to approach it would be to make a machine that can tell you the answer in the surgery straight after the sample has been produced. And we're collaborating with a few companies that are trying to develop machines like that. So that may be the, the test of the future is one where there's no transport problems at all. And um, collection could be simplified, perhaps. Yeah, I think um, you may be absolutely right that near patient testing is going to be the way forward. And what one would hope in years and years to come and the old process of the NA, the, the, you know, the the, uh, the person arriving in the NHS van to whisk it off to the lab um, and picking up at a certain time and whether you meet that sample, that, they, that might be something of the past. Um, I would say that I'm not sure there's many areas of research that are that sexy, Gail, I have to say. <laughs> so, um, but, this not, but this is clearly a very worthwhile area. And I guess even if, even if we do develop good near patient tests for UTI, we're still going to need to collect the sample properly in the surgery. So that problem won't be solved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and, and particularly when people are out of their home environment, it might be there's added complications there as well. So I think there's plenty of work to come, even if near patient testing does arrive. Any, any final thoughts on your study and um, areas we might want to uh, address? Well, I suppose the other thing to think about is, are there other approaches to contamination we could take by, by adjusting or developing the way we analyse samples at the other end of the process. That's something I find interesting and enticing as an idea that perhaps out of all those contaminated samples, there might be a way to say, well, these aren't really contaminated. They've just got three or four bugs in them. One of those is your infection. And, and I'm hopeful that in coming years, and we're trying to do a bit of research on this, we might be able to use genetic sequencing techniques, more advanced techniques to start answering those questions too. Yeah, so uh, lots more to come. Gail, that's been a really wonderful summary. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.